Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hello, folks. This is the More Money Show. I am Stephen Moore. I am the host of this show. And uh, I am just so privileged to be able to join you every Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. Thank you for my regular listeners who've made this show such a success. We have a good rating. uh, And that means a lot of people are listening in. And we talk every week on this show, for those of you who are new to the show, about this intersection of the economy politics, and finance. We also have to try to have some fun. And at the end of the show, I always take callers. And so we will be taking calls again today. It's the favorite part of my show. And by the way, I've got to say this to the regular callers because we have some people who call in uh, pretty regularly. Thank you. I mean, I learn a lot from what you all have to say. And I know all of our listeners learn a lot when you have smart comments and you have facts and figures uh, to back up what you have to say. So thank you. Please call in. Uh, sometime around the bottom of the hour, we'll start getting to people's calls. That's the More Money Hotline is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So don't call till about the bottom of the hour. That's when maybe a, a few minutes after is when we'll start taking your calls. We have great listeners. We have great callers every week. And so um, I'm excited about that. Uh, first of all, ho- happy Easter weekend to everyone. I hope everyone's having a happy and holy Easter weekend. And remember, it's all very simple, folks. It's all so simple. Love your neighbor. <laughs> it all comes down to that. Love your neighbor. Uh, and so uh, speaking of loving your neighbor, I want to talk a little bit about what is going on on two issues this afternoon on the show. The first segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about this new study that I helped co-publish that came that uh, was released on Monday and has gotten a ton of attention on COVID and what states did it best and what states did it worst. And I'm going to go over that list for you uh, folks in the New York uh, metropolitan area. And I know we reach all the way up to Maine and all practically all the way down to Georgia. That makes what makes this the number one talk radio station in the United States. Um, but I'm going to talk about which states really dealt with COVID in a professional matter, held down deaths, held down, you know, business bankruptcies, kept their kids in school, did all the the right, made all the right moves, in which states made all the wrong moves. And then in the second half hour of the show, after we hear from the uh, Paynes talk about the financial situation, um, that's obviously Bob Payne, um, uh, who is the kind of head of that, um, a company and does such an amazing job giving good financial advice. 
I want to talk about the tax code. April 18th, Monday, is tax day. You got to get your taxes in by Monday. Uh, you know, it's Easter weekend. My wife is just is is like a grizzly bear right now. She she does the taxes in the Moore household. I don't do it. I make the money. She and she just gets so angry about how complicated it is, how much we're paying in taxes, and this idea that people aren't paying enough in taxes. My God, I'll tell you, I'm paying a lot of taxes, folks, and I don't know if I'm getting my money's worth. So what I want to ask you about in the bottom half of the hour is. Do you think you are getting your money's worth out of the taxes you pay, number one? And number two, is there a better way to do this? Is there a better way for us to collect our taxes? I'd love to hear your ideas. Now, I've been involved in a lot of tax reform efforts. You remember, does anybody remember um, Herman Cain? He was one of my dearest friends. I've loved Herman Cain. Remember, he ran for president, oh, I, I don't know, 15, 16, 20 years ago, on um, this idea of 999, 9% sales tax, 9% income tax, uh, 9% payroll tax. I love that idea. 999, everybody pays it. Everybody pays their fair share. Then, of course, we have the idea that Steve Forbes came up with, which was the flat tax. Everybody pays just a 19% income tax. You don't start paying taxes till you're above the poverty level, so the poor don't have to pay uh, you know, a big burden on taxes. And you get rid of all the loopholes, all of them. All the loopholes are just gone. And I love that idea, the postcard return. But then there's a third idea I want to ask you about, and that's something called the fair tax, which is the fair tax is get rid of the income tax. Hey, let's just make April 15th. Well, in this, <laughs> this year is April 18th. Let's just make it a, another spring day, and let's just have a national sales tax. You know, you pay your tax at the register when you buy a car or you buy a grape slurpee at the 7-Eleven or whatever you buy. You pay a tax on it, but it's no longer the government's business how much money you make, right? That, why do we have to have an army of 100,000 IRS agents, you know, tracking all your financial transactions? Why can't we just make it really simple? So we're going to talk about that in the second half hour. I want to hear people's, uh, you know, advice, suggestions about how to improve the tax system. And I, when you call in, I want to ask you, you think you're paying too little tax or too much? I think I'm paying a way, way too much given uh, the incompetence of our government. But that's one man's opinion. I want to hear your opinion as well. But before we go to our break, I want to talk for a few minutes. You've, you've got to pull down this study if you care about what happened with COVID. This is a study by the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. So go to committeetounleashprosperity.org. You can pull this study down. You can get all the facts. You can see what happened in each state. We looked at what happened with education. Did the schools stay open? We looked at uh, the economy. Did, did we allow our businesses to avoid going bankrupt? Did we keep people employed? Uh, and then the third thing is, how did we do in terms of keeping people healthy and safe from this terrible killer vaccine? I mean, a, a virus which killed uh, nearly a million people. And here are the results. And folks, I know those of you living in the New York uh, area are going to shudder when you hear these um, these um, these numbers. But the state that had the absolute worst record by far, by far, in terms of dealing with COVID was New Jersey. New Jersey was a terrible, terrible mess, uh, high death rate, schools were shut down, the economy collapsed in New Jersey. It was just, it was just a complete mess. I don't understand how, why anybody would have voted to reelect Murphy, by the way. Uh, he is the worst governor in the United States, probably even worse than Cuomo, who's gone now. The second worst state, sorry to say, New York. 
New York was also a disaster. Huge number of deaths in the nursing homes. Didn't keep take care of our elderly. Shut down the schools. Shut down New York City. A total financial disaster. A total health disaster. Nothing went right in New York. Third worst state was my home state of Illinois. Uh, Chicago was shut down. High death rates. California was the next state that that uh, handled this terribly, terribly. Um, what they did to the businesses in California, what they did to uh, keeping kids out of schools, horrible, horrible record. Um, now, which states were the best? Which states handled COVID the most professionally? I would, well, here's what the results show. Number one state was Utah. Utah had a low death rate. They kept their economy functioning. They kept their schools open. And they've come out of uh, this uh, two-year period of COVID uh, in very sound shape. Uh, the second best state was Nebraska. The third best state was, um, I think it was Vermont. It was either Vermont or South Dakota. Those two were at the top five. And then, how about this? Florida. Florida actually handled COVID, handled COVID very well. They had... Um, they kept their businesses open. They kept the beaches and hotels open. Commerce continued to flow. People were happy. They were getting around. They social distanced. Of course, they wore masks, but they didn't have an especially high death rate in Florida, even though it was shut down. So what are the lessons of this? I want to end on this point. What are the lessons that hopefully we have learned from COVID? Because there will be another, there will be more waves of COVID. We're facing a, another wave right now. It's not nearly as um, dangerous as the earlier waves, but um, you know we'll we'll face other viruses in the future. Um, now, here are the lessons. Number one: never, never, never again should we shut down our economy. That is a failed policy. It does incredible damage to our businesses and our workers and our families, um, and it doesn't work. It doesn't reduce. We reduce death rates by 0.1 percent, 0.1 percent, and yet we've pissed away four to five trillion dollars. It was by an order of magnitude, a policy fiasco. Number two, never, never, never again should we shut down our schools. The children were never vulnerable to COVID. Healthy children were not in danger of COVID. And I say it a third time, healthy children were not in danger. And yet we kept kids in some states uh, a year or even a year and a half out of school. That made no sense. It, it, it injured our kids so much. I saw it in my own kids. They were really damaged by, they were 12 and 13 at the time, by these shutdowns of their schools. And we finally had to send our kids to a Catholic school that was open, and it made a world of difference. And so, n number one, don't lock down the economy. Number two, do not shut down the schools. And lesson number three, protect the vulnerable, the people we knew were very um, much in danger from COVID were senior citizens, anyone over the, over the age of 65, and certainly anyone over the age of 75. So we should have protected the vulnerable. By the way, that includes people with health problems. If you had diabetes, if you were obese, if you had health pro heart or lung problems, you had to be very careful. But that's only 20% of the population. The other 80% of the population should have been able to go on with their lives. So let's never do this again. Let's learn the lessons. If you live in New York or New Jersey or Connecticut, I'm sorry, because your governor's handled this 
in a horrible, horrible way that did not reduce deaths, but put severe strain um, on the economies and the businesses in your states. Okay, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Ryan and Bob Payne in just a minute. In the bottom of the hour, then, we'll start taking your calls. How do we fix the tax system? You're listening to The More Money Show. This is WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back, folks. This is The More Money Show on WABC Radio. It is time for one of our most important segments of the hour, which is to ask our two financial experts, Ryan and Bob Payne, about what is going on in these markets, what is going on with this economy. Uh, I'm getting almost seasick watching this market go up and down and up and down. So let's just start first with... uh, uh, you guys have been pretty bullish uh, for the last number of months. Uh, is there anything that has changed your opinion? Is this a good reason, a good time to buy, hold, or, or sell? We're always big proponents of compounding. So volatility is something we embrace because it gives you an opportunity to buy low. But it's not. It's just not a market. It's like there's a lot of different markets. You know, you have value stocks, stocks that pay dividend, blue chip, what we call traditionally blue chip, blue chip stocks that are at or near their all-time record highs, where there's different areas of the market that have been getting hit because there's a change in regime going on right now. We're in a different period. We're seeing a little bit of inflation, aren't we, right? Well, we had the, the highest inflation number since 1981, December of 1981, right? We had the uh, CPI number coming at 8.5%. Producers' price index came in this week over 11%. And I think the fear right now, and if you watch all the headlines, is are we going into the 70s, right? And, hey, like I said before, Steve, we know the right. 70s are a great time for rock and roll, not a great time for the economy. Um, but, you know, <laughs> bottom right. line. But I think the reality here is is inflation is actually going to come down the next couple of months, right? Supply chains are starting to normalize. We saw, uh, you know, sales of uh, in the secondary market for cars, used car sales have come down a lot. And you're going to see a big shift in consumer mm-hmm. spending, right? You're going from buying goods because you've been sitting in your house all day. Uh, to now going out again. So we're coming back to being a service-based economy where that spending is going to shift as well. So if you have inflation coming down, and the other big kicker is wages are actually going up, right? The employment market's hot. That's actually a pretty good combination for you know, a relatively strong economy, no matter what they tell you. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about this wage issue because, you know, we have uh, I've been flying around the country a bit the last uh, several weeks, and I can't tell you how many flight cancellations and flight delays I've seen on almost every airline that I've flown on. And, you know, they always say, oh, this is weather delays, but it's not weather. It's clear that they don't have the pilots. They don't have the flight attendants. They don't have the baggage handlers. And so I'm just using this as an example of this labor shortage. And I'm going to make a hypothesis to you all, and I'd like both of you to kind of respond to this, that that makes me think that, that you're just going to have to have a, a, a boost in wages. And now, normally, I'm very much in favor of Americans being paid more, but I worry that this is going to create a kind of wage price spiral that could, you know, could be inflationary. So I'm not quite as uh, sanguine as, as you are about the outlook for inflation, because if we get this push up, you know, in what I'm talking about, it could really be, um, you know, a, a difficult period for businesses. And by the way, those higher wages, you know, will obviously eat into profits as well. So I wonder what you think about the labor situation. 
Yeah, it's a really good point, Steve. And look, we're, we, we own a business, our, our firm paying capital management. You know, we had to raise our employees' wages, and that's something you have to compute when you're thinking about margins, right? Because right? it's all about that margin. Now, again, right. the optimist in me, and I'm sorry to be so optimistic this morning, is what you also have to look at is, and we saw this through the pandemic, is productivity gains. And you didn't have those productivity gains like you had yes. in yes. the 70s. You didn't have that. Like, I'll give you an example. I go to CVS now. And, you know, there's, yeah. there used to be all yeah. people that you would check out with. Now you go to these self-serve checkouts, which I didn't like it at first. I'll be honest. Yeah, but I've yeah, gotten yeah. used to it. There's <laughs> right, probably four right. or five people that uh, would have been employed that aren't employed anymore because, again, because of productivity gains. And then the people that they do have, they can pay more. Right. So I think that's the underlying story here that kind of saves us from that, that 70s narrative. And a lot of people aren't talking about that. You know, guys, I think the other thing, Steve, is you have to look yeah. at What's happening with real estate, with real estate values going up, rents have got to come up, and that's also going to exacerbate the inflation. Problem. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's my biggest worry right now. I, I'm worried about two things. Uh, one is the, you know, the, the, you're seeing an increase in mortgage rates, and I saw some areas you now have mortgage rates bumping at up to 6%, and then you have, you know, these incredible prices. I mean, you're you're there in Florida, and, you know, you, the Florida escalation in prices is like nothing we've ever seen before, but so many other areas of the country are seeing that huge, huge spike up in prices. So I am worried, of, A, that, you know, you're going to see an increase in rental costs that's not really a, um, completely... Um, accounted for in the in the consumer price index numbers, and then I'm also worried. Is kind of two prong question. I'm worried about a bubble bursting. Remember what we saw in 2007 and 8 with housing and the wreckage that caused. So, can you gentlemen respond to that? <laughs> yeah, I think the big what? difference is between now and the uh, real estate bubble we had before was before you didn't have to have any money, Yeah. right? You could just go in, um, <laughs> hey, I've had income. <laughs> right. Nah, right. I can't prove it. No That's doc loans. Right here, yeah. sign here, yeah. right? So you had a lot right. of speculation. You had a lot of leverage. So they're not doing those anymore. No, they're not right. doing those anymore. Matter of fact, they, they've ruined it for everybody, Steve, because okay. you go in now, if you want to get a, they got a mortgage, you got to sign your life away. Yeah. <laughs> you got to fill out a bunch of forms the size of the uh, former Yellow Pages. Okay. Yeah, the other component of that, too, so is supply and demand. You've got more regulatory protections. Yep. Yeah, you have that, and you also have a different supply-demand store. I mean, remember back in 08, 09, you'd go and see these vacant lots just sitting there. Nobody was – it was any of these mm-hmm. lots, right? I mean, they were just they were just pretty much like – they look like the old westerns. They remind me of these uh, these old you know towns from the Dust Bowl or something like that. But now the problem is they undersupplied the market for a decade, and you've got this whole generation of millennials. Yeah. It's like you know, 80 million people – that were living in their parents' basement. They took a while to get married and have kids. They're doing it now. So, you know, if you look at demand versus supply, uh-huh. demand outstrips supply dramatically. So maybe prices come down a little bit here because rates have gone up, but housing markets can be strong for a while. I don't think you're going to get a big bubble burst like we saw back in 2008. It's just a completely different dynamic right now. And, and what do you see with the uh, – what's your forecast for uh, the mortgage rate? Bob, what do you think about that? Well, I think that was the interesting thing about this week. Um, and this is what makes investing so hard. It's so counterintuitive. First, we had these awful, you know, spikes in the CPI and the PPI. Um, and so we're have, seeing all this inflation that all of us know, right? We've all been talking about it. We've been talking about it on the show for, for almost a year now, right? You, you can believe the Federal Reserve. You can believe your lying eyes, right? We keep seeing prices go up. <laughs> but here's the thing that's interesting. <laughs> right. You know, over the last 12 months, 
right? We've seen CPI go up to 8.5%. Meanwhile, over the last 12 months, the global index for stocks are up 10.1%, which just goes to show you. I mean, we're just uh-huh. demonstrating way human nature works, right? We don't like inflation. We don't like what it does to everybody. But you know who doesn't hate inflation? The stock market. Stock market grows and accelerates mm-hmm. past inflation because they can pass on those costs, right? They can increase their productivity. So the, the, I think the message here is no one really knows if it would peak inflation, um, if it's, you know, around the corner. But the stock market has proven to be the best way to hedge your wealth against inflation and inflationary economies. And so now we have a Fed. Uh, I was watching um, uh, Fox Business News uh, the other day, and one of the Fed uh, governors was on. I think his name was Walner, and he was saying, "Oh, we think we've got we peaked out on the inflation." Now they've been saying, "I'm a little bit more skeptical than maybe you are," but they've, <laughs> they've been sort of saying that for the last year, and they think they keep have this tiger by the tail. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I, I want to ask you in, in, in closing, because this is the key question of the day, of the hour, of the month. Will the Fed, in your opinion, overreact to inflation or underreact in the months ahead? Well, I think if history is, guys, they don't have the stomach to overreact, Steve. I think that uh, they want to see this economy and they're at least going to attempt a soft landing. Um, and I think that you're going to see them, you know, at some point, they're all talking very hawkish right now. Even the doves are hawks, right? The whole Federal Reserve is a bunch of hawks right now. They were a yep. bunch of doves a month ago. I think that's going to start to transition. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see less hawkish comments and a little more dovish comments coming from the Fed. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think I think what we've seen here over the last, yeah. uh, I mean, really the last couple of years is is a Fed that, that never takes the bull by the horns. So why would you expect them to do it now? And I think I think if we do see inflation numbers come down a little bit, they're going to get more tepid when it comes to the rate hikes. So we're going to get less rate hikes than are expected. And, of course, that's going to be good short term. But longer term, we're not going to take the medicine we need to take. And that's a problem for another day, Steve. And we'll be here to, to alert you to that problem when it's when it arises. Right. <laughs> when we get, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. You know, I mean, exactly. having lived through the 1970s, I do. I kind of err on the side of uh, thinking that they're just too slow and that this inflation, you know, maybe it is going to cap out. But when you're at eight and a half percent, you know, we need to get that rate down to three. <laughs> and right. that's a that's a long uh, way down. I want to see some more aggressive action by the Fed uh, because I just think this lingering inflation. You're right. In the short term, the inflation can be good for the markets. I'm not so sure that's true in the long term. Now, you are still offering your free consultation. Is that right? That's right. If you give us a call or text right now. Uh, so we'll can you give that you. number again? Because we, we want to make sure our listeners can sign up for that. Yep, it's 844-752-6692. 844-752-6692. Well, sign up, folks. I will, you're listening to two of the best in the business. Uh, we will be right back. You're listening to the More Money Show on WABC. Yeah, so if you're, if you're thinking to yourself right now that you need to be on top of your portfolio, your investment plan, your financial plan, well, we keep 10 slots open for the whole show. If you have over $750,000 safe for retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything. All you need to do, send us your holdings. We're going to build for you your own personalized financial portal and get a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and start honing in on every single financial issue that you have. We're going to look at income, 
You need an income plan for retirement. How are you going to draw from your portfolios? How are you going to take Social Security? There's hundreds of ways to take Social Security, but only one right way for you to take it. We're going to put together a full income plan, show you how to draw from your portfolio so you don't run out of money over the rest of your life. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you lots of products with high fees, high taxes. We're going to go through every investment you own, show you how to reduce costs on your portfolio on those annuities, insurance products, brokerage products, mutual funds. And we're going to show you how to optimize for taxes so there's more money in your pocket. And we're going to look at diversification. Do you have inflationary assets in your portfolio? Have you gotten hit hard here as markets have been very, very volatile? Or have you been sitting in cash earning nothing on your money as inflation is at literally a 40-year high trying to figure out what to do paralysis by analysis? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. Give us a call or text right now at 844-752-6692. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over 750000 for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. But you won't have a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E and the thousand or so families that we manage or the, and the billion dollars that we have in our management, you know, we, we advise people at different stages of their financial journey. And really, depending on what age you are, there's really different areas that you want to concentrate when it comes to your retirement plan or your financial independence plan. So I thought we could talk about that financial red zone when you're in your 50s and your 60s, 70s, and 80s, the different stages and what you have to be thinking about those different stages. And when you think about your 50s, that's when you really have to make sure you're on track for that financial independence. You know, you're really in that retirement red zone. Yeah, you know, sometimes, right, you get into those 50s and you've been in your 30s and your 40s saying, ah, you know, I got a long way off 65. I don't have to worry about it. But when you hit your 50s, you've got to be really serious about your your plan, making sure you're financially independent, make sure you have a an income plan, not just a wealth creation plan. Yeah, you have to start thinking about what do you actually spend on an annual basis? And if you weren't working tomorrow, right, how would you generate that income, right? Because Social Security is not that far away. You're only like 10 years away from Social Security. I have to start thinking of things like long-term care, like how are you going to ensure your health care in retirement in your 50s is the optimal time to do that when it comes to premiums. And it's the time to really max out those retirement plans because you get a bump up in how much you can contribute every year. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do to tweak your financial life that you really got to get on in your 50s. Yeah, it's got to be a total wealth plan, right? You have to look at, you know, am I contributing properly to my 401k? Should I be going to the Roth 401k or should t- traditional 401k? Should I be doing backdoor Roth conversion? Should I be doing Roth conversions? Should I be doing backdoor Roths? Um, and you also want to look at your estate. You know, the estate tax is going to change again in the next couple of years, right? You know what you're dealing with right now. So should you be gifting money into a trust? Should you be gifting money, you know, to your children? Should gifting money to charity? How about some of these high cost, um, you know, low cost bases, high profits, you know, big capital gains, embedded capital gains you have in your portfolio. If you've been a good investor, you've been listening to us for the last 30, 40 years of your life. You're going to be sitting there a lot of capital gains. There's lots of things you need to start doing strategically to make sure that you optimize, you know, your wealth creation. 
Yeah, and then when you get into your 60s, it's kind of like when the rubber meets the road because now you need to have that income plan. You have to have that date and decide like what's the date I want to be financially independent or what's the day I'm actually going to retire. You know, when is D-Day? <laughs> and you know, that's when you really have to hone in on what that date looks like because when you start thinking about your plan, you've got to start thinking about what day does the income or that paycheck actually stop? And that's a huge deal. But like late 50s, early 60s, you've got to start getting that date in mind. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's the big date that when he, when you first go to work, you get out of college, you're in your 20s, you're thinking 60. Oh, I don't have to worry about 60. That's so it's so far way off. But that's that's the key. When you're at 60, you got to be really certain that uh, all your life experiences don't come back to haunt you. For example, you got to look at your beneficiary forms, right? You may have a former spouse or you may have a sibling that you don't talk to any longer, you know, as a beneficiary or even as the guardian uh, of your family. So you've got to be really certain that you look at every single aspect of your financial plan. Well, the other part of it, too, is the risk management piece, right? I mean, we've been in a, in a bull market now for, for quite a while, and we see this with the 50 or so portfolios review every month is a lot of times you're still invested like you're in your 40s. And that's a problem because if we do get a huge bear market, like we saw when the financial crisis happened or the tech bubble burst or even the pandemic more recently, is you don't have the time to make it back like you used to. And this is a huge problem because it's one thing in your 40s. Okay, so what your portfolios go down, you're still making a lot of money. But when you're in your 60s and you're down the home stretch, the stakes are way higher. So managing that risk becomes so much more critical than it was in your younger days. Well, you know, it's not just managing the risk. It's also making sure that you can sustain your life, lifestyle because you're going to live to 100 now. There's so many more people living to 100 than 80 or 90. And, and most of the plans that were run when you were in your 40s or 50s project you out to age 85 or age 90. There's a good chance, you know, one of the uh, remaining spouses is going to make it to 100. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse than running out of money, right? Um, there's nothing worse than depending on your children uh, or depending on an institution, you want to be certain that you're financially independent all through your retirement. Well, and it's harder today, right? Because of healthcare costs, right? You have longevity, so the money has to last a lot longer uh, than it did for your parents, right? So there's, there's just so many more things that you have to evaluate when it comes to making sure that, you're, you, to your point, Bob, you don't run out of money. It's a huge deal. And now with inflation running at over 8%, like, have you factored that into your portfolio? Because the income you need today, we talk about this a lot, you're going to need double over the next 20 years. So if you're 60 today, and by the time you get into your 80s, you're going to need double what you need today. That's It seems like a long time from now, but it's not that long from now. Um, and no, that has that to be factored now. into your plan. Yeah. Well, you also have to look at where are you going to retire, right? Where, where are you going to spend those golden years? Um, and you want to see, is there a way to eliminate state income taxes? Is there a way to shelter my estate? you know, by moving to a different community or a different state. Um, so you, you really want to look at every aspect of your plan. And here's the problem, right? When most of you sit down with a, a financial planner in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, or 50s, most of them don't even run a plan, right? They sell you investment products. So you have a collection of investments. They're brokers, Bob. They're brokers. <laughs> you, know, you don't have a strategy. Um, and, you know, I think it, it, it can be very, very disconcerting when you're in your 60s and you don't have a written plan. You really need to see those projections because most of you have taken more risks than necessary to achieve your goals at that point. And, you know, they're not going to ring a bell when it's time to, you know, you know, knock down the risk. You've got to have a strategy and a plan in place. And when you see it all in black and white, it's so much easier. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. You have to decide the person you work with today, are they a broker or are they actually a financial planner? And you've got to make that transition as you make your way into retirement. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, you need that game plan. You need to start thinking about, okay, I need an income plan. I need to manage the risk in my portfolio. I don't want to go back to work because I took too much risk and the market sold off. Well, here's your shot to do it. We're down to five slots left. We have five slots open for the rest of the show. If you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan. We'll do it no obligation or cost. There's no other firm out there. We'll do this work up front. We'll go through every investment you own. In fact, we're going to build you your own personalized financial portal and give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life and start honing in on every financial issue you need to address today. Income. You have to have an income plan for retirement. How are you going to draw from your portfolio? How do you factor in inflation? How do you take Social Security? We're going to put together a full income plan so you don't run out of money over the rest of your life. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you products that have high fees and are very, very tax inefficient. We're going to go through every investment you own, those annuities, mutual funds, insurance products, show you how to reduce the cost, optimize your portfolio for taxes so there's more money in your pocket, and we're going to look at diversification. Are you prepared for inflation? Did your portfolio get hit hard in the last couple of months as markets have been all over the place? Or are you sitting with way too much money in cash? You lost 8% on your money the last 12 months as inflation has been raging. Paralysis by analysis, can't figure out what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money over the rest of your life, but most importantly, protect it. We literally have five slots left if you give us a call or text right now. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844 844- 752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next five callers, you've saved over 750000 for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation. There's no cost. You won't have a plan. You don't text or call 844 752 6692, that's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC, that's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, simply go to BeBullish.com, BeBullish.com, you can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth, learn more about our philosophies, our thoughts on the financial world, go to BeBullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, we were greeted with inflation rates not seen in 40 years. The PPI, the Producer Price Index, climbed more than expected in March for a year-over-year increase of 11.2%, while the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, clocked in at 8.5%, driven by higher food and energy costs. Now, these readings have ramped up the pressure on the Federal Reserve to potentially raise the interest rates by 50 basis points. That's a half of 1% at its upcoming meeting. The yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond rose to 2.83%, a new pandemic-era high. Now, higher rates continue to push long-duration assets like bond funds and tech stocks lower while higher inflation is pushing commodities and oil stocks to new 52-week highs. So, so far this year, a great year for investors overweight commodities and oil, 
a bad year for investors concentrated in growth, bond funds, and tech stocks, and a decent year for investors with a balanced, diversified strategy spread across asset classes and within asset classes. In the classic fairy tale, Goldilocks looks for the parge that is not too hot, not too cold, but just right. Similarly, the successful long-term investor in this market needs an asset allocation that's neither too hot or risky, nor too cold and not risky enough, but a portfolio that strikes just the right balance to generate the returns necessary to achieve your long-term goals. Now, if you'd like to know if your portfolio is too hot or too cold or just right, all you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. You're listening to the More Money Show on WABC. We will be taking your callers in just a few minutes. I want to repeat that uh, 800 number is 1-800-848-9222. That's the More Money Hotline. Now, for the next 20 minutes or so, I want to hear from people about how to fix our tax system. Do you think taxes are too high or too low? Do you think that uh, there's a better way for our tax system to work? Uh, I happen to be a big advocate of radical reform in our tax system. I think the thing is a god-awful mess that only benefits lawyers, lobbyists, uh, um, the uh, the uh, uh, IRS agents who are, we have 100,000 who have to enforce this uh, mess of a tax code. It also benefits the special interest groups in Washington. It also uh, benefits tax accountants. But for the rest of us, it is just a bloody mess it is so outrageous that it should take weeks and weeks for many people to figure out their taxes. Think about for companies, they have to hire a whole army of, uh, of tax experts and accountants to keep up with the tax code. Why don't we make it really simple? Why don't we either have a flat tax, like Steve Forbes has talked about, where you get rid of all the junk in the tax system, all the special interest provisions, the carve-outs, the deductions, the loopholes, Get rid of all of it. There's no need for that. Why don't we just have 
an 18 or 19 percent flat rate income tax. Uh, the only deduction you get is for yourself and your children. So you have a, a generous standard deduction and you have a generous deduction for your kids because kids are, you know, an important asset for our country. And then, you know, if you're a billionaire, you're going to pay 20 percent. You make 100000 you're going to pay 20 percent. If you make $65,000, you are not going to pay 20% because you're going to get your first roughly $30,000 of income will be tax-free. So you're only going to pay 20% on, say, half of your income. And this is a way of making sure that everyone is paying their fair share. You see what I'm saying? Because, you say, well, let's have an 80% tax rate on rich people. No, <laughs> then you're going to get all the deductions and loopholes. That's the whole, you know, the, the, in, the original income tax that came into being, I think it was around 19. 16, I think that was the first year of the of the income tax, somewhere in the in the 19s, 19 teens. I think it was 1916. Back then, the top tax rate was 7%, 7%. And only the top 10% richest people were, were you had to pay the tax. A few years later, it went up to 70%. Everybody's paying the income tax. Uh, and it just became a worse and worse and worse and worse um, thing. You know, in fact, one of my favorite quotes about the income tax uh, comes from Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein once said, the most complicated thing in the universe is the federal income tax. <laughs> I thought, gee, he's got it right. And then one of my favorite Peanuts cartoons, you remember the old Peanuts cartoons where Snoopy would sit on top of his doghouse and he had a little typewriter and he'd type out messages on his on his typewriter with his paws. And this was one of my favorite ones. He's, he's, he's writing a letter to the IRS. And it says, Dear IRS, Please take me off your mail list. <laughs> wow. Wouldn't it be that wonderful if we could just do that to make our tax code simple? Just leave us alone. Now, look, of course, we need taxes. We have government. We have government programs. We have to pay for them. But isn't there a better way to do it? Come on. We're a, we're a $22 trillion economy. We're a lot of smart people in this country, a lot of really smart people. You know, we've invented everything from the automobile to the airplane to the uh, to the Internet. I mean, we have the most incredibly dynamic people. And this is the best we can do with our tax code. Come on. We can do much, much better with this. So I want to hear your ideas. Uh, you want to soak the rich? Go ahead. Call and tell me why you think that's going to work. Uh, Mr. Producer, I am ready to uh, to take some calls. Do we have, a, by the way, I'll mention that number one more time because I think we have one or two lines still open. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Mr. Producer, who is our first caller today? Our first caller today is Steve from Central Jersey. Hi, Steve. Can you hear me? Do we have any people waiting on the line, Mr. Producer? Yeah, we have, here. Uh, we have a Steve from Central Jersey on the line right now. Hi, Steve. Can you hear me? Steve, can you hear me? Steve, what do you got for us? Can we improve our tax code? Oh, absolutely. Uh, let me just – I digress for a moment. To the extent there's a V-shaped recovery, Steve, because we're still living under the – I'm hearing. I think we may have a little bit of a technical difficulty, so while we get that – uh, resolved. Mr. Producer, I can't hear Steve. Do we have any other callers? Okay. Well, look, here is my point. Uh, if we had a tax system where you could actually fill out your tax form on a postcard, where basically just, here's how much money I made, 
uh, here's how many kids I have, and here's my spouse, if you have one. You get deductions for them, and then you pay 19%. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be so simple? Uh, wouldn't it be something, you know, we wouldn't have to have, we have literally file cabinets full of tax information that is, is so complicated. My poor dear wife, Ann Moore, who does our taxes, I mean, she is as angry as a hornet these days as she spent the last number of weeks trying to figure out how much taxes we owe. I mean, I don't see the logic of a tax system that is so complicated. <laughs> Think of all the hours of hours and hours and thousands, millions of hours that are wasted by our businesses, by our workers, by our families, by our churches, by our stores, our restaurants, just figuring out the tax code. It is, it is incomprehensible. I'm a tax expert. I, I focus on tax policy. That's what I've spent my whole life doing. So I know more about the tax code than probably, you know, 999 out of 1,000 people. I'm not a tax accountant, but I understand the tax system because I've studied it for most of my career. And I can't figure it out. You know, this is supposed to be my specialty, my expertise. And I cannot figure out these tax deductions, the tax codes. You get this, you get that. I mean, if you try to read the tax code, it's tens of thousands of pages long. It's written in Latin or Greek or Russian. I don't know. I can't figure it out. I just don't see how this is to the benefit of our country. Now, some people say soak the rich. Soak the rich with taxes. No, I'm sorry. Every time we've tried to do that, it's led to a collapse of our economy because people are rich. You know, let's talk about the top 1%, okay? Because I, I think a lot of people are not aware of these statistics about who pays the taxes. One out of 100 Americans, the top 1%, pay almost exactly 40% of the income tax. So one out of 100 pay more tax than 95 out of 100. Hmm. Do you think that this is a system that's pretty progressive when one out of 100 pay more than 40 out of 100? I mean, 95 out of 100? Uh, we have a system. Now, here's something I don't like about, and I'm anti-tax, but I don't like the idea that we have almost half of Americans today that pay no income tax. I have a problem with that. I do. I don't like the idea that you've got half of the voters that don't have any skin in the game. Now, I'm not saying, you know, raise taxes on the middle class, raise taxes on the poor. I'm saying everyone should pay something. If you're going to vote, if you're a citizen of this country, if you're going to collect government benefits, if you're going to use our services, shouldn't you pay for them? Is it a healthy thing for just, you know, the top 5% to pay most of the taxes? No, I think then you got 95% saying, oh, more and more and more tax, more and more spending because we get it for free. I just think that's a terrible system. We're a democracy. If you use the services, as everyone does, if you use the schools, if you use the roads, if you have the police protection, if you have the fire protection, if you go to the library, all of these things that are paid for, our national defense, everybody should contribute. And look, now, I do think we've spent way, <coughs> excuse me, way too much money on our government. You know, we have a $6 trillion federal government today. It should be about half that size, in my opinion. Um, we should get back to a lean government, but how we pay for it matters a lot. And we need a system where everybody contributes. And again, I'm, I'm not saying raise tax on the middle class. I'm just saying, if you're in the middle class, if, unless you're desperately poor, 
everybody should pay something. That That's the cost of citizenship. Um, now, another point I hear all the time is raise the tax rates to 50, 60, 70, 80 percent. Uh, Bernie Sanders says that all the time. Let's let's really sock it to the rich. Well, folks, not only do the rich already pay the preponderance of the income, <laughs> income tax, but also here's another thing. Who are those evil top 1%? Who are those people? Uh, well, just look at what they do for a living. And I've looked at the statistics on this. Here's what about 70% of the top 1% do for their for a living. They own, operate, or, or they are investors in America's small businesses and medium-sized businesses. They're the ones who make these businesses. They're their employers of the country. And now employers should pay taxes, absolutely. But are we going to create more jobs in this country if, if we sock, sock it to the people who create the jobs? If you suck the money out of these small businesses, do you think they're going to have enough money to hire more workers? I, I don't get again. I don't get the logic of a lot of this. I don't see why it is that we need a tax system that is so steeply progressive that what happens is people find ways to avoid the tax. Now, if you don't believe that, just look what's happened to a state like New York or California or my home state of Illinois. What's happening in those states? You all know people are leaving. I talk to, I have a, I'm not rich myself, but I do know a lot of rich people. And I can't tell you how many of them in just the last five to seven years have moved out of New York, California, Illinois, uh, high tax states like Michigan, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, and they moved to Florida, Texas, Tennessee. New Hampshire, Nevada, Washington State. Now, what do all those states have in common? I wonder if you guys know the answer. You men and women know the answer to this question. I'm going to mention these states again. Texas, Florida, Tennessee, Nevada, Washington, uh, New Hampshire. I may be missing one or two. But what do each of those states have in common? I know a lot of you know the answer to this. They are states that have... No income tax. They they charge no income tax at the state level. And guess what? That's where people want to move to. You can't buy anybody try to buy a house or, or buy a condo in Florida these days. Forget about it. Forget about it. there are no houses or condos to buy. Everybody's bottom up. They people are just it's like a tidal wave. It's like a stampede into states like Florida and Texas. In Tennessee, anybody who's been to Nashville or Chattanooga or Knoxville lately, it's unbelievable how many people are moving to Tennessee. No income tax. Uh, same thing with Nevada. All these people are moving out of California to Nevada. They can move uh, 100 miles over the border into Nevada and pay no income tax rather than 13.5%. My point is taxes do matter. They do affect the, the willingness of people to invest in a country or to uh, be in a state or to start a business. The startup of businesses in Texas and Florida is twice as high as it is to, today as it is in New York and California, because who wants to start a business when they're just going to take it all away from you if you dare make a profit, right? When did, by the way, when did profit, the word profit become a dirty word? You know, I, Biden's always talking about price gouging. Have you seen this? Oh, these businesses are price gouging. Well, 
every business, I've run businesses, you try to set your prices as high as you can to make as much profit as you can. That's why you started the business. And in a free market system where there's competition, you know, people will will build, bid down the prices of things. Um, and so if you didn't have, let me put it this way. If there were no profits, there would be no businesses. And if there were no businesses, there would be no jobs. And if there were no jobs and businesses, there'd be no government because we wouldn't have the money to pay for it. We cannot allow our politicians to continue to slay the goose that lays the golden eggs. I mean, this is one of my themes on this show, that it's the private sectors, private businesses and private workers who are the ones who build our economy and make all the things that we have in this wonderful country. We are the richest country in the world. We are the most bountiful country in the world. We are the most generous country in the world. Um, it's all possible because we have a system of freedom and free enterprise. This is not complicated, folks. When I hear these young people talking about soak the rich, more socialism, more socialism, I got to tell you, every time I go to a college campus and I go probably visit about 10 or 15 college campuses a year and give lectures, and I talk about the virtues of free enterprise and freedom uh, and, and capitalism, free market capitalism. It's it's the superior system. Somebody show me something that's worked better than free market capitalism. And I can't tell you how many of these young kids, oh, I like socialism. I want more social. We want, we need to be more like Sweden. Or we, By the way, Sweden's moving away from socialism because it doesn't work very well there. But uh, all these, you know, fourth and fifth generation Americans, you know, who've been pampered their whole life. Oh, I like socialism. It's fair. And then. What's really interesting to me, and this happens unfailingly, is the kids who come up to me after my lecture who say, Mr. Moore, you're absolutely right about free enterprise versus socialism. These are kids whose who either grew up or their parents grew up in socialist countries. They've seen it firsthand. These are people who grew up in Argentina. These are people who grew up in Venezuela. These are people who grew up in Cuba or Korea or were behind the Iron Curtain during the Cold War uh, in, in the, the Soviet Union years when people from Hungary and Poland and Czechoslovakia and Ukraine and all these countries had no freedom. And I can't tell you how many times these uh, uh, kids and sometimes adults will say the same thing. I came to America because I love freedom and free enterprise, because I wanted to get away from socialism. They say, I've lived under socialism half of my life, and it is a failed system. It leads to people going hungry. It leads to deprivation. It leads to no jobs. It leads to the government telling you how you lead your life. No, we don't want to empower government with more power. <laughs> no, we want, obviously, we need government. But we need it lean and efficient, and we don't want it involved in every aspect of our life. Why is this so hard for college kids to understand? Maybe it's because a lot of these college kids have never really worked. I mean, I see it in my own kids sometimes. I wish if I had to do it over again. I wish I had gotten my kids out there working even sooner um, so that they could see the incredible um, importance of getting a work ethic and uh, and uh, and really. Um, you know, earning, earning their money. We don't do a great service to our kids when we give them money, by the way. Don't give 
don't give you I mean, yeah, I give my kids money so that they can maybe a down payment on the first house, just like my parents did that for me. But you don't want to subsidize the activities of your kids, especially at a young age, because uh, uh, it, you're not doing them a favor. You are. So let's get back to the tax code. I know I've been kind of rambling on here, but I want to say this about the tax code. We can do much better. And if you want lower taxes, that means we also have to find ways to cut government spending. And I see the hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, not hundreds of millions, hundreds of billions of dollars that are being in Washington. And it disgusts me. It disgusts me that no one in Washington, neither the Republicans nor the Democrats, seem to do anything about it. We've seen in just the last two years, well over $500 billion stolen from the government by fraudsters. And people just sit by and watch and say, oh, that's the cost of doing business. We can do much better. When I hear Joe Biden say, oh, there, all these rich people are getting away with paying no taxes, these billionaires, we got to make them pay their fair share. They're, a lot of them are paying nothing. Well, Joe, Joe Biden, who wrote the tax code? You were in the United States Senate for, what, 30 or 40 years. You never did anything about it? Come on. We cannot continue with a system that is corrupt and corrosive and dangerous for our democracy. All we are doing is empowering lobbyists, special interest groups, and politicians with this tax code. It is broken. Let's fix it. Uh, I am... Uh, I'm saying this with a passion, folks, because I've spent my whole life on this. Now, I'm sorry we had some technical difficulties. I know there were a bunch of people on the line. We had some problems getting through, uh, getting our lines uh, to work. We will. I want. Please call back next week. We will have this same discussion. Um, and I want to hear your ideas about how to fix the tax system. Folks, it's Easter weekend. Have a wonderful, wonderful Easter. Um, and have a holy and happy Easter. Remember, love your neighbor. Get outside. It's going to be a beautiful continued weekend, and I will talk to you next week. You've been listening to The More Money Show on WABC. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.